0: welcome home family welcome home man what a great crowd today we're we're counting and uh, I I think we have around seven to eight hundred people here today Isn't that exciting hey are y'all Gosh, there's so much I'm so thankful for right right now Uh, y'all grateful for this team up here let me tell you something they don't just play they they build all this uh, they were up here for about five hours yesterday, and, and of course, what they've been doing, and there's a bunch of people right behind this wall that you can't see, uh, that, that have also just week in and week out have allowed us to gather online and bring worship, and they've, they've worked so hard. I'm so grateful for them. Would y'all, would y'all just give an applause to them, let them know you appreciate their work? Man, it's, it's so exciting to be together. You know, as I say, welcome home Uh, I I recognize there's as many people at home right now, probably really actually more people at home uh, watching today and are going to be watching in the weeks ahead as we begin to gather again and respect that. I think that's right and appropriate. Every one of us is dealing with different variables, different issues, different things that go into making up the decision that we have to make for ourselves or for our family. And man, our goal is just to provide the best opportunity to worship our Lord, to to know our Lord, whether we're here or or whether we're watching online. And we're, we're glad to have everybody joining that way. We've got a plan, as you've heard, for, for beginning to re-enter. And, and today we're, we're doing that outdoors. And uh, as we start thinking about going indoors, Uh, You know, it's challenging. We're we're grateful for the opportunity to regather, but the restrictions, and I I respect the restrictions. I respect what our government is is trying to do. Uh, The restrictions do make it difficult and puts us in an awkward spot in how we bring together a church family. And uh, this past week... Uh, With the mandatory now requirement of wearing masks, that almost felt like a little bit of a tipping point. Uh, because we are put in charge of policing that. We're policing how many people are in the building. We're policing if they have masks. And, and I don't know about y'all, that's, that's not why I come to church, is to be put in the position of, of having to do that. So in light of that requirement, uh, which I, I respect, I'm not I'm not making a comment about wearing or not wearing masks, but in light of that, we are considering uh, doing an outdoor service for the month of June. So we're, we're considering that. And, and real close to me. The reason I don't just tell you definitively. Is we want to get past today. Look at some of the issues. And what went on to make today happen. And, and, and be able to decide. So be watching online. Uh, all of our social media and other platforms. We'll be announcing what we're going to do. If we do that we would do one 9 o'clock service here at the Colonial Heights campus because one service will handle w- what we need to accomplish. Plus, as it moves on into the day, it starts getting warmer, right? And uh, and that's why we're only saying this for the month of June, even if we're dealing with the same restrictions in July. I mean, by July, we just all want to go inside, let's be honest. And so uh, we'll do one. If we do this, we're going to do one 9 o'clock service outdoors here, one eleven o'clock service indoors at Midlothian. So indoors, we still have to register. We would have to wear masks. Outdoors, we don't have to register, so you don't, don't worry about any of that. And of course, masks is is at your own comfort level. So we're considering that. We'll be getting all of that uh, that news out here, uh, if not today, by by tomorrow. One one more thing, uh, we do need to do indoors is uh, we need to have a business meeting. Uh, you, we don't say that a lot, but but we need to have a bit. We were like three days away from our big annual business meeting when all of this broke loose and we had to stop everything. We We need to formalize a budget, get deacons in place, get committees in place. And so June 10th, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, indoors uh, we're going to have a business meeting and I sure need you to come and be a part of that. that that's a family moment. That's a family meeting where, where we decide together a, as a family. So we'll meet at 6 o'clock. We'll pray for 10-15 minutes. We'll move into the meeting. I think we'll be done around 6.30. Think why do I need to take my time to go out there? Because you know what? Sometimes family just has to gather around the kitchen table and make some decisions. and And that's what a business meeting is. So I hope you can uh, join us for that June 10th, Wednesday, at 6 o'clock. Um, you know, as, as we get started here, and it's so exciting, I'm so emotional singing and, and being with y'all. And, uh, you know, I just want to be excited and keep it on an up moment. But, folks, our, America, our nation's not in an up moment right now. We're, we're not. And I, I believe it would be morally wrong for a body of believers to gather and not pause and pray about what's going on in our nation, what's going on in our situation. We're all we're all stressed out enough just with the virus issues, the the, the health and well being, and and then businesses in America. There's just so many things that have just put us all right there on on the edge. And then on top of all that, a, a, as if we could carry this weight, we had the situation with Ahmed Arbery a couple of weeks ago, and and now. Uh, the this, this situation with george floyd uh this past week and uh and, and I said a moment to a group of people i 'm not trying to make a pun here it 's crushing us it it 's crushing us and it 's crushing the breath of life uh, of our country and i don't don 't know what 's going to fix that uh, uh other than prayer and then and then the roll out of that uh, obviously the the riots that are going on really at this point now. All, all over our nation, I, I just think it would be morally wrong, don't you, for us to gather and not not just have a cursory prayer, but call out to God on, on behalf of our nation. So want to take a moment and, and do that now. If you'd bow your head and pray with me, of course, online, I, I encourage you to bow with me and let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, as I, as I bow in this moment, I, I'm filled with such gratitude. I love my church. I love the people that you, you've called me to follow you with, to serve you with, to worship you with. Lord, I'm so grateful. I love this beautiful morning that we're enjoying out here. It just couldn't be more perfect. Lord, there's just such a sense of peace and, and calm, such a sense of rightness in this moment. But Lord, that is not what our nation is feeling. That's not what what so many in our nation are experiencing right now God I I do want to pray about this the situation with the virus and we just pray for healing we pray for help Lord I pray for our our government at federal and that and and state commonwealth levels Lord that they'll make right and good decisions that that their sole purpose and their decisions is the well-being of all and Lord I pray you would remove this virus from our nation God, I pray you would help us as a nation. And God, as I pray that, I don't know on the basis of what I ask you to smile on this land. I I, I don't know what we're worthy of other than judgment. God, would you hear the prayers of your people in mercy and humility? God, crying out to you. God, there are so many sins that cover our land. And racism is certainly one of those sins. And God, it is it is a weight that we cannot carry. It is a weight that we cannot resolve. We need your help. We need your help over over our nation as a whole. God, we need your help in each one of us individually. To to know what role day in and day out I can play. In bringing healing and bring bringing hope to that. Lord, I I do lift up to you the situations with Ahmed and and George, and I pray for them, their families, that God justice will be done, that righteousness will be served, that truth will be known. Lord, I, I I pray that that these just are 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 shaking us to a point that that we finally reach that place where we know something's got to change. Lord, I I pray for our our cities throughout America that are. In turmoil right now. Literally rioting. And, and Father I, I pray just a, a spirit of peace. I pray for the churches in those cities. The believers in those cities. And the role that they can play with their family. Their neighbors. Their friends right now. God may we remember that as a church. And as a people. We move into our world carrying a gospel of peace. We are a people of peace. You love the peacemaker. God, I pray every one of us takes that personally, into how we do that this day and this week, and how we and how we pray. God, would you help our nation? Help our nation. Guide our our president, our governor. Uh, guide our our law enforcement. Guide all that are working and and seeing through this situation, Lord. Guide our our medical. Professionals, God, navigate the way for us. And God, do it in such a way that our nation would see and acknowledge you. We pray for things, God, and then don't even acknowledge when you answer. And Lord, if you would shine on this nation, if you would bless this nation, I have no confidence that as a nation we would acknowledge you. God, I almost feel like I need to ask your forgiveness. That I'm not going to say, we're not going to say as a nation, thank you for the answer. Oh God, heal our land. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So hard, so heavy, it's hard to make a transition out of that. But folks, we do. We have to transition. We have to be that people of peace. And boy, I think what we're going to see today uh, gives us the reason, gives us the motivation for doing just that as as we look at revelation 4 and 5 you know i am i'm so grateful for technology and what it's given us the ability to do as a church and to gather as a church these almost 3 months now that that we haven't been gathering and and by the way folks i, I you know people think boy it's been a difficult time for the church and a and a loss for the church i, I don't know about y'all See, what I've been praising God for about the Heights Baptist, the last three months have been some of the strongest three months of us being a church in our community that I've ever seen. I mean, that's you. Praise the Lord. What we have done in delivering food, in giving blood, in serving our hospitals, uh, just so many different ways, we've had such a tremendous and profound opportunity to be the church, and then to be able to gather online and, and continue worshiping week in and week out. It's been an awesome time, but I have learned this. And I'm saying this mostly in line of, light of what we're about to read. I don't know about you, I don't want to watch heaven online. I, I want to see it. I want to smell it. I want to touch it and feel it. I want to be there and experience heaven. That's not an online moment, amen. And and we're gonna we're gonna get to take a peek right now. I don't know that we'll be able to smell or touch, but we're gonna get to see. We're gonna Peek into heaven right now, and folks, while it is a vision off in the future, it is the very thing we need to see right now in a covid nineteen world in a in a racism world in a in a variety of pains and issues world. This is what we need to see. Would you turn with me to Revelation chapter four, two of the most powerful? chapters in the entire bible two of the most stunning beautiful chapters in the entire bible they're they're a little bit long but i can't think of a better thing to read out loud than these than these two chapters as i do a lot with long readings i'm reading from the new living translation today so if you are using an app on your phone you can switch to that new living translation uh revelation chapter four beginning in verse one it says then as i looked I saw a door standing open in heaven. Folks, you and I right now are literally leaning in and looking through a cracked door. We're looking through a peek in the door into heaven. And the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the spirit and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was brilliant as gemstones like jasper and carnelian. Now he didn't see the stones jasper and carnelian. He said the presence of the one on the throne glowed like those stones. And the glow of the emerald circled on his throne like a rainbow. twenty four uh, 24, Thrones surrounded him and 24 elders sat on them and they were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads from the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder and in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames this is the sevenfold spirit of god in front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass sparkling like crystal in the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion. Let me, let me pause right there. We're going to see throughout the rest of the reading and throughout the rest of Revelation, we're going to see the word like a whole bunch. Notice it did not say, I saw a lion. He said, I saw something and it was like a lion. I don't know quite what that meant. There was something about the quality of this being that what came to John's mind was a lion. You could say, I ran into the pastor today. Gosh, he was a little bit like a bear. Now, none of you is going to hear that and assume that somewhere during this time I became hairy. I've tried to go a a Grovid 19 beard and it's just not going to happen. This is me in a full beard right now. Okay, if, if they say, but the pastor's like a bear, you're not going to assume hair, you're not going to assume teeth, you're not going to assume claws. You're going to assume there was some character quality, probably a little grumpy or something. You know, you're going to assume some quality that made that person think of bear. Same, same thing right here. And, and as we read Revelation, it's a lot of just crazy language. It's difficult language. It's symbolism. And you say, why does this book do this? These are important things to understand. Think of the challenge that John has in this moment. He is looking at the infinite glory of God and trying to define it in very finite words. And everything, every word comes up bankrupt for what he's seeing. As we get to chapter 6 and move on, we now know that what John is seeing, what he is describing, we now know took place in at least the year 2020 and beyond, right? So you tell me, with a first century vocabulary, what word do you use to describe an F-35? What word do you use for an Apache helicopter? What word do you use for cable network news? You realize he has... No vocabulary for anything he's sing. which is like which is why he kept saying, well, it was it was it was like uh, it was like this It's like grasshoppers flying. I'm confident those grasshoppers are Apache helicopters. Think of the challenge he has. So when you hear me read now the rest of this long reading, understand he's got no words for this. And that might make a little bit of sense of why he uses the language he does. The first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face. Now, the third one he didn't say was like. He said it had, you notice the change in language there. So this third angel has, has a human face. It didn't say human body, it said a, a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings with, were covered with all over with eyes inside and out, day after day and night after night. They kept on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne. The one who lives forever and ever. The one, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne. The one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and they say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. You should recognize a lot of these words and phrases. We just sang them in that song, Is He Worthy? Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll. And it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel. They're all strong. So it makes you wonder what this one looked like that he actually thought he needed to add the word strong. Who is, and I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals of this scroll and open it? But no one, no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. And I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look. The Lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. Then I saw a lamb, and it looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings. And among the twenty-four elders, he had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold Spirit of God that is sent out to every part of the earth. He stepped forward and he took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when He took the scroll, the four living beings and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song. They sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll, and to break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people from God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God. And they will reign on the earth. And then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. And they sang blessing and honor, glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 out elders fell down and they worshiped the lamb. Heights, can we join the living beings and all together say, Amen. Let's say it so heaven roars. Amen. Oh, every single time I read these two chapters, I think to myself, I need to read those more often. We need to see that, folks. This is real. What we just read is not fantasy, it's not sci fi, it's not a neat thought. It is real. We just peeked into heaven. We just viewed the future. And we need it for today. Let's think of where we've been. Revelation chapter 1. We saw, in it, we saw a picture, a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the revelation is about Jesus. It's not about the Antichrist. It's not about the Tribulation. The revelation is about Jesus Christ. Chapters 2 and 3, we see Jesus give messages, individual messages to seven churches spread throughout Asia Minor in the first century. And now we come to chapter 4, which is going to carry us all the way to chapter 18. So the bulk of Revelation is in this section, chapter 4 through 18. These are going to contain the events that lead up to the glorious, visible, bodily return of Jesus Christ from heaven. To set up his throne on this earth. The most amazing and magnificent moment in the history of everything. And this is 4 through 18 is all of the events that are going to lead up to that. We call those events the great tribulation. What chapter 4 and 5 is, is the moments right before that starts. It'd be like if you and I had a chance to look backstage right before opening night of the biggest play ever. We just peeked into heaven right before all of history is about to unfold. And we need that vision. We need what we saw exactly for the world that we live in right now. What we're going through as a nation, what you are going through as an individual. Let me give you three reasons, three reasons we need to see this. The two are kind of long. The third one is kind of short. And I say that because when I get to number three, you're going to go, oh, my gosh, this is ever going to end. Number three is really short. Three reasons we need to see what we just saw. Number one, we need to see someone's on the throne. Amen? We need to see that somebody is in control. You ever heard the phrase? Of course you have. All hell's about to break loose. You realize in Revelation chapter 6... The entire planet. You know, we might think right now in a COVID world. We might think right now in America with what we're watching on the news. That that literally everybody is thinking all hell has broken loose. Do you know not everybody's thinking that today? Not everybody. You know, some people, all in all, I'm okay. All, all in all, it's a, it's a good moment. In Revelation chapter 6 is when literally every person on the planet is going to believe that hell has broken loose. And Revelation 4 or 5 are there for you and me to say, hell ain't in control. Hell's not in charge here. Hell's plans and purposes are not being accomplished. It's the Lord God Almighty's plans and purposes that are being accomplished. We need to see that someone is on the throne. Of which at that point, John's attention is drawn to the throne. You and I don't know what it means to look at a throne. We're not in a kingdom. We don't have a king. We don't understand what that means. and what. I mean, yes, we know the definitions. We can see it in history. But do you realize when you're in a kingdom and when you look at a throne, you are looking at all of the authority, all of the power. It's not somewhere else. There's not others who share it. The throne all by itself is all authority. It is all power. And John's attention is drawn to that authority and to that power. And he says, you know, I, there was this aura. You, you know, keep in mind, we forget this. We're, we, we, know, we all know that God's a really old man with a long gray beard and probably a white like robe or something, right? No, God the Father is invisible. As is God the Spirit. Old and New Testament very clearly communicate that, even though we ignore it and forget that. He is invisible. We say, what about Jesus? Jesus is the what? He is the image of the invisible God. Okay, so we are looking at a presence. You notice, look at how he describes Jesus in chapter 5 versus how he describes the Father in chapter 4. He's seeing this R, and he looks up there, carnelian and jasper. These stones, are, one is translucent, and one is red. Almost like a picture of fire and ice. He said, I'm trying to understand this glory, this aura, this, this presence on the, on the throne, and it was, it was like fire and ice. And there was this green, it doesn't say a rainbow, it says there was an emerald glow. That was shaped like an amber. So don't put the colors of the rainbow there. It's emerald. It's green. Look at how it's described. And, and, and he's taking in the, this aura and, and, and this moment. And is just overwhelmed by it all. And he says there was 24 thrones around it. 24 thrones. Do you know we don't actually know who's on those 24 thrones? He said, Wait, wait we, we, we know. Like the disciples are on there, right? Probably a pretty good guess. But there was only 12 of them. Minus Judas, add Paul. That's 12. That's not 24. That's well, the, uh, the, 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 oh, the, the 12 sons of Israel. Wouldn't that be the doesn't really fit the context? Probably not. I mean, we have guesses, but there is no passage that specifically says here's who's on these 24 thrones. Do you know why God didn't tell us? You don't need to know. Everything you need to know God and to walk with Him is in this book. Absolutely nothing is missing. Now, that doesn't mean you and I won't read things and think, well, I wonder about this, or I wonder why He didn't... Hey, you get know, all kinds of questions like that. As interesting as they might be, they, you don't need them to follow Christ. You don't need them to walk with... So we don't know who's on these 24 thrones. Now, if you'll look down, if you have your Bible open, I hope you do. Revelation chapter 4, verse 4 and 5... Everybody's getting their Bible back out. What page was that on? (laughs) Uh, Revelation 4 and 5. You're going to see some words. Crowns, white robes, and elders. Do you see them? Those words throughout the entire New Testament are used exclusively of the church. Elders, leaders in the church, white robes, rewards given for acts of righteousness to believers. The crowns. There's two kinds of words in the Greek for crown. One is the crown of royalty. The other is a crown of an award or reward, like an athlete would get at the Olympiads of this time. The the second one is used. The, The crowns these believers have are the crowns of rewards. Folks, when you and I die and go to heaven, that is not when our judgment takes place. That is not when we receive our rewards. Do you know when we receive our rewards? After the rapture. This to me, to me, is a little piece of evidence. The church is in heaven in Revelation chapter 4. The church, what happens in chapter 6? The start of the tribulation. Where is the church at the start of the tribulation? It's in heaven. The white robes, the crowns, the rewards, the judgment has happened for the church. And the church is there celebrating. Now we're going to look at the rapture next week a little 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 plug for next sunday we're going to see what the scripture communicates about why is there a rapture what is a rapture and the big one when is the rapture and i don't mean when like what date boy if i could give you that i would pretty sure we'd have a good crowd here next week i'm talking about when in relation To the tribulation, there are believers, good believers, believers who believe the Bible, that believe the church is going to go all the way through the tribulation. They're called post-tribulation. There are those who be raptured up before. That's called pre. And there's a couple of other views in there. We're going to look at all of that next week. Next week is kind of a supplemental message To to Revelation, it fits thematically, but Revelation doesn't talk about the rapture. We have to go to other passages to see that. You say, why doesn't it talk about the rapture? Because it's about Jesus and it's about the tribulation. So it it just gets to the meat of what it is communicating there. But you will see, in my opinion, you see the church in heaven when the the tribulation is about to take place. So we come back to the throne because that's where we're at right now, right? And and man look at John's word described man there's lightning there is thunder there is this glow and this aura I mean you could, I mean right now he is hearing heaven he is feeling heaven he is smelling heaven he is trying to describe it for you and me and it's pretty overwhelming and then he sees these four living creatures man they're incredible aren't they maybe a little spooky but they these are incredible beings and he describes them with these four Animals. You can say, what are the qualities there? What's John trying to communicate? One person said that and don't this is not a scientific statement about animals, but that what you have in these four beings is you have the noblest, the strongest, the wisest and the swiftest. That's a good shot at it, I think, of what might be represented and what he saw. But these four living beings are clearly representing attributes of God. The eyes all around the wings. Again, a little bit spooky, a little bit strange for us. But those eyes, and you see this all the way through our reading today, and and we're going to see it more always representative of, of knowledge. All seeing knowledge. There's nothing that God doesn't See, you know, we're seeing a whole lot more today and it's got our country in turmoil, right? We're seeing a lot more today because everything can be filmed any moment. Man, if you do something stupid, you're stupid because it's going to be on the Internet, right? But what about before this? What about, hey, you know what? There may be some real pains in your life that nobody filmed and was able to shame the wrongdoer with. There may be things you think nobody knows, nobody saw. Folks, God sees. God sees. God knows. There is nothing beyond His sight. There is nothing beyond His knowledge. He sees absolutely everything. And, and, and so we have the, these, these beings that are representing the attributes of God. By the way, check out Isaiah chapter 6. You'll see a class of angels there worshiping God with the exact same words. Described in the exact same way. In that passage, they're called seraphim. Uh there's that's a class of angels. A lot of us have heard of cherubim or cherubim. We make them usually little fat chubby things shooting arrows to make people fall in love. Probably not accurate. Okay? But there's cherubim, that is a class of angels. Seraphim, that is a class of angels. The word seraphim literally means burning one. These are angels eternally ablaze to the glory of God. And they are there worshiping and praising God and the elders. And remember, it's not just the 24 elders, it's all of the church. And we see even more all of the church in chapter 5. Then begin to join the living beings in giving praise to God. And do you notice what they praise God with? The crowns, their rewards. They praise God with their rewards. Folks, if I read that, one of the first things I thought was, oh my God, am I going to have a crown? Seems like a moment you don't want to be standing there empty-handed, right? Everybody's praising, everybody's bringing, and I—I didn't—I didn't know know we were—I didn't know I was supposed to have a crown. I didn't. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. know. You just ignored it. You just didn't take it at face value. You know, when we look into Revelation, four and five folks, what I'm convicted by is how much I live my life making decisions for the temporary in total ignorance and ignoring the eternal. Do you realize there's going to be moments in eternity where we look back and we're going to say, I didn't know. And we're lying to ourselves. We did know we were told, hey, Jesus said, hey, store up treasures in heaven through your giving. I have no idea what treasures in heaven are. I have no idea what you need them for. But I'm guessing since Jesus told me, I might get there in eternity and think, I didn't know that. Yes, you did. The the robes of white right righteous act. I didn't know. Yes, we did. We just don't take his word at face value. And we live our lives consumed by the moment. Consumed by the temporary. Folks, it's okay to live for rewards. It's okay to live for the, those crowns. You're going to use them to praise your God and Savior. So we see, we see the, 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 the living beings. We, we see all of the church, the angelic realm, bowed before the Father, worshiping the Father in His glory. Notice, as our Creator. Three things we leave point number one with. Number one, I need to know that God is on the throne. Number two, I need to know that I'm a created being as big and as powerful and as smart and as good and wonderful you are, you were made. And you're nothing without the Creator. And you owe that Creator your faith, your obedience, your worship. The third thing, folks, we need to see here is every day we're moving closer to what we read. Do you realize May 31, 2020 moves you one day closer, not to June 1st? You're not moving closer to June 1st. Because you you're don't, you not promised June 1st, right? You are, as a believer in the blood of Jesus Christ, you are promised Revelation 4, but you're not promised June 1st. Now, if I'm a gambling man, I'm guessing almost all of us, maybe all of us are going to wake up and see June 1st. But still, theologically and what biblically is true is you are not today, on May 31, 2020, moving one day closer to June 1st, 2020. You are moving closer one day To Revelation chapter 4. Am I living in light of that? Am I living in light of standing there at that moment? Did I treat people this week in light of standing at the throne of God? Did I make decisions this week in light of standing at the throne of God? Am I thinking about God day in and day out the way I want to be thinking about Him today in light of standing before Him? Folks, you see how every temporary moment should be guided by the eternal where whether what we do is we let every temporary moment guide our, li- our life with no thought of the eternal, our God, the Father, worshipped as our Creator. Number two, we need to see we need to see folks that Jesus can and is the only one who will make all things right. The it says that a right hand extends from that glory and it holds a scroll. And there's writing all in and around outside the scroll. And John seems to, I use the word intuitively know, I don't know how John knows what's in that scroll. He seems to intuitively know that what that holds is everything in life finally being fixed. Wrongs made right. Justice finally done. The answer to suffering and evil, it's all in that scroll. You know, here's the crazy thing. doesn't matter where a person is, what time of, where they are on the planet, what era they were born in, every single one of us wants to know why is there evil and when is it ever resolved. Believers, unbelievers. Religious, irreligious. That faith, this faith, that faith. over Everybody wants to know why is there evil and when is it resolved. This scroll finally resolves, finally deals with evil. And there's a moment there, just a moment, where it appears to John that nobody actually is pure enough, nobody actually is righteous enough, nobody has the authority and the power to take that scroll and execute it. And he begins to weep. Do you know why he's weeping? Can you imagine looking at a virus world and thinking there's no answer. It's just random Evil. Can, can you imagine watching the events of this week related to George Floyd and, and think there's no end? There's no end. It just, hey, just happens. And it's going to keep happening. John's weeping at the thought this is ever end. How long, oh Lord, does it ever have a conclusion? That's why he's weeping. And, and an elder taps him on the shoulder. Stop that crying. Look. The Lion of the tribe of Judah. We just sang this, didn't we? The Lion of the tribe of Judah. The Root of David. These are references pointing to the royalty of Christ. Pointing to the the Messianic nature of Christ. Messiah, you know what it means? The Anointed One. The One who can take that scroll. The One who can finally and fully deal with and resolve evil. That One, the Messiah. Look at Him. But he doesn't turn and see a lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. What does he see? A lamb. You know, I wonder right there as he turns to look and he sees again, he doesn't see a a, a white woolly creature about yay high. He sees Jesus, but there's a quality there of. Remember, this is, again, difficult for us. We're not Jews. We didn't grow up in a Jewish world where the lamb, the sacrificial lamb, was a part of everyday life. And he and he looks at that lamb and at Jesus. And I can't help but wonder, did his mind immediately race back to the very first time he laid eyes on Jesus? And John the Baptist said to him, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he sees that lamb right now, not just a lamb. One like a slaughtered lamb. Lamb. It's been said that the only thing. Think of this. You probably never have had this thought. The only thing in heaven that is man made. Is the wounds on Christ. And he beholds those wounds. He he beholds the slaughtered lamb. Folks, this is such a powerful, important picture. You realize we're looking out into the future. The center of the future is the work of Christ from the past. There is not a bigger moment. There is not a more important moment that everything is governed by than the crucifixion, burial, and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That moment of the past is what is the center of the future. Now, lest you think that John is just beholding this dead dying lamb laying on the ground with its throat cut and bleeding no he, he says i saw something else too he said I, I saw seven horns and seven eyes that probably doesn't clear it up any for us just more weird language but the, the word horn all throughout the bible old and new testament when i say horn i don't mean like i don't mean that horn I mean, like on a ram or, or, or on a goat. That horn was always a symbol of power. The eyes, we've already said, is a symbol of knowledge. Seven is the number of perfection or completion. So what John is trying to say here is, I beheld this slaughtered lamb, I saw the absolute perfection of power. How do you see perfection of power, perfection of knowledge in a slaughtered lamb? Because that's the power of our Savior. Where the majesty and the might of the lion meets the meekness and the sacrifice of the lamb in one glorious person, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who fixes everything. That's our, Folks, that doesn't mean we don't do anything today. Oh, well, you know, it's evil. You can't do anything about it. One day Jesus will come. No, my goal is to live like Jesus. My my goal is to be here as Jesus until he comes and does what only he can do. But we can do a little bit of what he can do, right? That's a question at which point you would say, yes, pastor. Okay, all six of us. Jesus is the only one, but we we live for him here, folks. We live for his presence and his works now. Uh, as our Savior. So we see, folks, in these two chapters, we see the Father being worshipped as our Creator. We see Jesus being worshipped as our Redeemer. We should be reminded the only reason we're there watching is by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the center of this picture, is it not? The blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I'm standing there watching that. I'm standing there enjoying that. Not because of my righteousness. Not because of my power. Not because of my wisdom. Not because of my goodness. But because of the power and the wisdom and the goodness and the kindness of my Creator and my Savior. And I get to see there and be a part of it. Amen. Amen. Hey, that's a good place for amen by everybody. Amen. We, we want to rattle heaven with that. So so we worship. So now third and final point, folks, man, I I need to know I need to know someone's on the throne as I watch the world, as I deal with. I need to know someone's on the throne. I need to know someone can fix it. But I need to know what it is I am doing here. You notice there's a phrase in there, it says you are a kingdom of priests, now, that we're looking off into the future. The church, you and me, we're in heaven. We're a kingdom of priests in heaven. And yet the Scripture says that you and I are a kingdom of priests right now. Folks, as I look into this picture, as I get a chance to peek into heaven, what God sends us away from here with is who we are. A kingdom of priests. What do priests do? Priests mediate. They're, they're, they're a go-between. Priests represent the people to God. I do that for y'all. I try. I I bow before my God on my face to pray for you. I take very seriously a role that I come before God on behalf of all of you. I really try to do that. And I am to take God and reveal him to people. Trying to do that right now, right? But that's not the role of pastor. That's the role of every one of us. Every one of us is a part of a kingdom of priests, which means when you and I leave here, our our only job this week is to represent God. Represent God in our finances, represent God in our decisions, represent God with our enemies, represent God with strangers, represent God in our marriage, represent God with our kids, represent God with our neighbors, represent God when we're talking about the news, represent God when we're talking about America, represent God in absolutely everything. You might be thinking, well, how do you do that? I don't know how to represent God in all those things. Yes, you do. We just ignore it. This book is everything I need to know about God and how he would have me to live so that I can show who he is and show what he's like in all of those words I just mentioned. You've heard me say so many times, we we approach this as a rule book if I want to get into heaven. This is not a rule book for how to get into heaven. This is a book that lets me know who God is and what he's like. And how I can take who he is and what he's like and live it in every single aspect of my life because I am a priest before my God. That's what the blood of Jesus Christ did for me and now sends me into the world to do. Your job this week, in every conversation, in every moment, in your own thoughts, is to represent God. You have been to the throne. And you are absolutely responsible to represent him before every watching eye. Let's pray. Father, thank you. By your grace, by your glory, by your goodness. That we get to peek into heaven. And Lord, I pray we'll take a vision of what we saw today and it will impact every hurt in our life. It will impact every fear in our life. It'll impact every joy in our life. It'll impact every victory in our life. God, may, why, may our peak into heaven guide and shape everything we are and everything we do so that we best show who you are. We best represent who you are. Oh Lord if the church would represent you what what would that mean to America right now what would that mean to to Minneapolis right now to Richmond to DC to LA to Charleston what would it mean right there if we would represent you not our opinions not our ideas but we would represent you oh God may that be our one desire in everything we are and do this week to represent you Oh, to your glory and honor, we so look forward to joining those living beings, to joining those elders. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.